This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, are you among the many Canadians struggling with affordability? Are you relying on credit to make ends meet? Are you falling behind on the monthly debt payments that you have? If so, of course, you're not alone. That is among the key findings of Equifax Canada's Q1 Market Pulse and Consumer Credit Trends and Insights Report. So joining me now to discuss the report in detail and more importantly offer advice on how you can turn this around is Rebecca Oaks. She's the Vice President of Advanced Analytics at Equifax Canada. Rebecca, welcome to your money. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show and really, you know, interesting stuff in the report. But before we get to that, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about Equifax Canada and your role there? Maybe if I start with who Equifax is. So we're one of the two nationwide credit reference agencies, also known as credit bureaus here in Canada. And primarily we're a data and analytics company. So we collect and compile information about an individual's credit history from banks, financial institutions, uh, various bodies like courthouses. And we take all this information about an individual and we summarize it into a credit report. And that credit report might get provided to banks and lenders uh, when when they request it. And it's one way that they assess your credit worthiness. So that's Equifax. Um, My role within Equifax is to lead our analytics and data science team. And so basically we look at all this data and we perform analysis to understand what's happening in Canada when it comes to credit. What are the trends? Are there things we're concerned about? And we share that back out to help consumers and lenders and government agencies, people like yourselves, understand what's happening right now. Um, The other thing my team does is we develop tools to help lenders in making decisions. Now, we don't make any lending decisions ourselves, but we help those uh, institutions to make decisions using some of these tools. The most widely, of course, is um, credit scores. So my team develops some of the credit scores that Equifax provides. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, really, right? How far we've come, and how just mu- just how much data is out there today, right? That provides these insights and allows us to make better, more informed decisions, right? It's it's really great, uh, the world that we're living in. That this is so. Um, accessible, I guess, right? And there's teams like yours who are analyzing that and providing those insights to not only the general public, but to, like you said, to to lenders to make better informed decisions. So now let's talk about the findings of the latest report that you have. So it's the Market Pulse and Consumer Credit Trends and Insights Report. There's a lot of red flags in here. So the report shows consumer debt remains at $2.37 trillion, which represents a 4.9% increase from the same period a year ago, which is staggering, really. So this figure, as I said, is substantial. But Rebecca, can you explain what this $2.37 trillion includes and the reason behind the increase? Yes, sure, absolutely. So, so that $2.37 trillion, that's the total amount of debt that gets reported to us here at Equifax, and that comes from lenders, and it includes um, multiple things. So first of all, it, conclude, it includes mortgage debt. Now, that mortgage debt makes up around three-quarters of that total amount, which probably makes a lot of sense, right? Obviously, mortgages tend to be much more high value, so, so three-quarters of it is mortgage debt. The rest of it is things which are non-mortgage debt, so things like credit cards, auto loans, lines of credit. Now, 
when we look at some of the increase uh, compared to 12 months ago, the mortgage side actually is generating some of that lift because mortgage um, has been quite a area of growth. You know, we've had all these really high house house prices and people have been increasing their mortgage debt. Um, that started to stabilize a little bit. And what we're starting to see now is actually the non-mortgage debt really starting to rise. So that's kind of why we're seeing some of the movement compared to last year. Yeah, and you know, non-mortgage debt is quite high, right? So let's talk a little bit about those numbers, and maybe you can share some insights on why you think that these uh, these numbers are getting up there. So if we look nationally, the average on non-mortgage debt sits at just under twenty-one thousand dollars at twenty thousand nine hundred and six. I think concerning for me, and and would be concerning for our listeners, is here in Newfoundland, Labrador, it's a bit higher. So our average debt here, non-mortgage debt, is twenty-two thousand seven hundred and thirty-one dollars. So almost two thousand dollars higher than the national average. So when you look at the varying age demographics, it's millennials and Gen Xers who are carrying the highest levels of non-mortgage debt. So this, they also experience the biggest increase, I think, in non-mortgage debt compared to other age demographics. So those 36 to 45 increased almost 3%, 2.97%. And those 46 to 55 increased 2.77%. So they're up to now $32,314. The credit card debt is a key contributor to the rise in non-mortgage debt, and we've seen several surveys over the past few months that show more and more Canadians are using their credit cards to keep up with these rising costs. So, Rebecca, what insights uh, can you share with us on this? Why do you think some of this is happening? I mean, when we look at kind of something like the credit card side of things, you know, we are seeing credit card uh, balances continue to rise. Um, and particularly in the first quarter of this year, we saw that happening. And that's a bit unusual. Um, normally, what we see in the first quarter of the year is we see credit card balances in particular start to fall. And that's really because when you think back to the back end of the year, you know, the holiday period, that's when a lot of people seem to spend on their on their credit cards. You know, it's, it's things like Christmas and, um, you know, a, lo- a lot of people do increase their balances and then pay them off in the first quarter. This year, that didn't happen. We've actually seen balances rise. So the big question, of course, is why? Um, And I think, first of all, consumers are spending more um, just because things cost more. We've seen inflation. The price of goods are going up. So if you're going out and you need to, say, buy a new washing machine on your credit card, it's going to cost more than it did uh, 12 months ago. Um, So that is part of it. But actually, that inflation isn't what's generating all of that additional balance and spend. And what we're starting to see is, is likely consumers who are paying less, so their balances are rising um, because perhaps they are being stretched because of the high cost of living. And in some cases, unfortunately, they might be becoming more reliant on credit to kind of pay for things like groceries and kind of their day-to-day living costs. And it, it's definitely not everybody. I think there are pockets across the population where um, this is happening more than others. But that's the area that concerns us, that some of this increase is really coming from consumers that are becoming reliant on credit because they just have no other way to kind of um, live day to day. Yeah, and we're hearing a lot more about that now, right, in in this era of high inflation, right? Things like the price of gas, which has fluctuated quite a bit over the last number of years, up and down, and something that people got used to, I think, sort of fluctuating. But, you know, this really dramatic increase in the overall cost of living because of what we're seeing with grocery prices. And, of course, that's rampant in the media these days, right? The, the cost of groceries continuing to rise, and people are using credit more and more just to supplement their monthly income to be able to manage their bills. I think the biggest concern for me is that this type of credit is the, is some of the most expensive, right? So 
at you know usually 20 to 25 percent interest uh, it adds significantly right to the amount that people will have to, to repay if they're becoming dependent on that and I think the biggest increase in credit card spending is from what we call revolving consumers so these are consumers who pay less than 90 percent of their credit card balance each month and we know that today many people are actually only making the minimum payment right higher spending has pushed the minimum payment required for credit card consumers off by 16.5 percent year over year so for those who traditionally only pay their minimum payments and think that things are fine and they're all up to date that 16 and a half percent is pushing some of them over the, the limits there so rebecca when you look at these statistics regarding credit card use how concerned are you I mean, first of all, I would say that, you know, credit card use is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a useful tool in multiple situations. Um, as you kind of mentioned there, when we do start to become concerned is when we see these early warning signs that people are borrowing using credit and then struggling to pay it back. Um, so things like the percentage of balances being paid back each month falling, uh, you know, balances increasing, as you mentioned, the number of consumers just making minimum payments, you know, when that starts to rise, they're typically early indicators that some parts of the population might be starting to struggle and we might see an increase in missed payments to follow. And so we have been seeing that trend start to pick up. Now the good news is that when we go back to all the pandemic months, you know, there was, you know, we're starting from a much better place than we ever have done because a lot of consumers paid down their credit card balance a lot um, during kind of 2020 and 2021. Um, but unfortunately now that's, that, 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 that good position has been reversed. So um, it's really those early warning signs that we, we, we kind of look out for and track and they're starting to increase. So that is why we're getting a little bit concerned now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, on average, consumers are spending 21.5% more each month on their credit cards compared to pre-pandemic spending. So that that's not an insignificant number by no means. So when consumers are turning to credit to keep up with rising costs, when they're taking on debt to make ends meet, it's only a matter of time before they fall behind when it comes to keeping up on their monthly payments. And that's just what we're seeing. So we're going to talk about that when we come back, the rise in delinquencies. Please stay with us. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is Rebecca Oakes. She's the vice president of advanced analytics at Equifax Canada. We're talking about Equifax Canada the latest consumer trends report. And Rebecca, the trends being reported in Q1 of 2023 are quite concerning. So a big one, of course, is the rise in credit card use. So more and more Canadians are turning to credit to make ends meet, something Equifax has been reporting on the past several quarters. And we know times are tight for many households due to high inflation and rising interest rates. The key lending rate now sits at 4.75%, the highest it's been since May of 2001. And even more worrisome is the Bank of Canada has not ruled out further interest rate increases in the future. And many economists are even predicting we will see another hike when the Bank of Canada makes its next rate announcement, which is on July 12th. 
And with rates on the rise and consumers taking on debt to make ends meet, it's only a matter of time before they're falling behind on their monthly payments. And Rebecca, that's just what we're seeing. So let's talk about the delinquencies. Who is struggling most to keep up? Well, at an overall level, um, missed payments are up everywhere. So across Canada, we saw our 90-day delinquency. So this is where a payment has been missed for three or more months in a row. That rose more than 25% compared to the same period last year. Now, there is some good news in that we're coming from a very, very low point in missed payments. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, the pandemic saw a lot of people paying off a lot of their debt and delinquencies were at low levels. There was a lot of government support. So um, for the most part, we're still below some of the missed payment levels that we saw before the pandemic hit. Now, when we dig a little bit deeper, as with debt changes, there are differences when we look at this based on things like age or location. So certain regions are faring better than others. Newfoundland, for example, saw an increase below the national average, but for other regions, it's it's much higher. Um, the really interesting thing for us right now, though, is how the mix of who's missing payments is starting to change. So when we look towards the end of last year, we were seeing missed payments more for younger consumers, perhaps those that had slightly lower income, less savings, um, those people who didn't have a mortgage. There were these consumers where that, you know, the high cost of living, um, you know, inflation levels, groceries costing more, that took its toll and, and that was starting to impact their ability to make their repayments um, on their, their, their debt commitments. Now, what we've seen in the first quarter this year is actually more consumers with a mortgage starting to miss payments on a debt product. Um, so that is a bit of a shift, and that's a little bit concerning. And we think it's linked to the impact that these high interest rates are having on monthly payments, either post-renewals because their fixed-term periods come to an end, or maybe they're on a variable rate product where the payments change, um, and so it is being directly impacted. So it's it's you know we're seeing it across the board, miss payments going up. But like I say, the mix is starting to change. It's not just those people, maybe lower income, lower savings. It's now shifting more into those consumers that own their own homes. Yeah, and I think we were kind of anticipating that a little bit, right, with the the rising interest rates and the number of people that were going to be needing to renew their mortgages this year, right? It meant that they were going to see an increase in most cases in their mortgage payment, which was going to impact their ability to service the rest of their debt, especially if they were living paycheck to paycheck, right, which we know, you know, half of Canadians pre-pandemic were were living paycheck to paycheck, and that number slightly increased as we went through uh, the pandemic. I think, Rebecca, too, it's worth pointing out that it's not only credit card payments that people are struggling to keep up with. Auto loans are being missed as well, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So auto loans, um, actually before the pandemic, we saw quite an increase in missed payments on auto loans. So that population was quite a concern. Now, I think, again, what happened during the pandemic was beneficial. There was a lot of consumers that had high levels of um, auto loan debt. And because there was a big supply problem with getting vehicles and manufacturing vehicles and chips and all sorts of things, the price of vehicles went up and actually helped some consumers. They were able to sell their vehicle, get out of those loans. The challenge right now is that it's done a full circle because right now if you want to buy a vehicle um, not only is the average price of, of, of a car much much higher than it was you know 36 months ago you've now got high interest rates so the cost to borrow is is really expensive um, so it's you know it's hard if you need to buy a new vehicle and we're seeing missed payments really increasing particularly on those consumers who what we would call kind of subprime near prime so those that have a lower credit score um, those levels of missed payments are back above pre-pandemic 
now. So, um, again, there were some consumers struggling more than others, but yeah, auto auto vehicles or auto loans definitely seen as payments rising as well. Yeah, and I think another signal that financial stress is mounting for many Canadians is the higher proportion of consumers seeking debt relief. So we know nationally insolvencies have risen by 28.5% from Q1 of 2022, and the increase primarily being driven by consumer proposals, which are up 36.5%. In Newfoundland, filings rose by 21.3% in the first quarter. And as difficult as these statistics are, the reality is tougher financial times may be ahead for many Canadians. We know Canadians are worried about their financial well-being. And our recent video affordability index showed us that when it comes to their level of debt, nearly one-third at 30% of Canadians feel so overwhelmed by their debt that they don't know what to do. A sentiment that was also shared by one-third of Atlantic Canadians at 31%. And the findings of the affordability index echoed in the recent economic outlook released by Angus, Angus Reid. It shows that more than half at 53% of Canadians struggling at 31% or feeling uncomfortable at 22% when it comes to their finances. In Newfoundland, those percentages are even higher. So more than one third at 37% say it's a struggle with more than one quarter admitting to feeling uncomfortable. So nearly half at 46% of all Canadians say that they are in worse shape financially than they were a year ago. And when they look into the future, many are not optimistic things are going to improve. So one third at 32% figure they'll be worse off financially next year. And this financial pessimism rises to nearly two thirds at 63% among those who are struggling financially. So any insights, any any comments on, on some of those statistics, Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely concerning. Um, but then at the same time, it's not surprising. You know, I mean, again, when you look at the high cost of living, you look at, you know, out to the future, you know, as you mentioned, there's a good chance interest rates are going to go up again, potentially, um, in, in July. You know, unfortunately, the inflation levels, although they have just come down a little bit, um, that was announced yesterday, um, some of that is just due to kind of the mechanics of how inflation works. And last year, gas prices were extraordinarily high, and, and that's kind of helped to see a bit of a drop. So, you know, I think until we actually start seeing inflation come down, as consumers look out, Canadians look out to what's going to happen, you know, it's not a good period ahead. You know, you know, as we kind of talked about with mortgage renewals, if you own your own home right now and you have a, a your mortgage is coming up for renewal, potentially you could see your, your payments increasing quite significantly. And that, that is going to be giving concern and worry to a lot of individuals right now. I mean, I'm there. I'm one of them. Mine comes up for renewal next year. And it's scary when you look at kind of the differences in terms of payments. So, you know, it's not surprising that, that consumers are feeling that way. In a way, it's also a positive, though, you know, being prepared for what might happen um, in terms of your finances is, is a good start point to be able to start managing um, what to do about that over, over the coming months. So it's, it's a negative in terms of people feeling that way, and it must be difficult on their own, you know, well-being when you're, you're worried about your finances but it's also positive because I think being prepared is really important. Yeah I think we've been talking about for some time now right that a recession is looming and so you know to your point, knowing that that's coming and not knowing exactly when it will hit or how long it will last 
it is an opportunity, right, for us to start planning where we can and talking to a professional to see how we can get ourselves in the best financial place possible. So how do we weather that storm? So Rebecca's going to have some advice on that when your money returns. Please stay with us. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with Nancy Sneddon. I am Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So my guest today is Rebecca Oakes. She's the Vice President of Advanced Analytics at Equifax Canada. And we've been talking about Equifax Canada's Q1 Market Pulse and Consumer Credit Trends and Insights Report. And like so many surveys out there today, it shows many Canadians, are, in, including those here in Newfoundland and Labrador, are really struggling with affordability. And there's no doubt that these uncertain economic times, uh, it's important to know that there are steps you can take to help you cope financially. And that's going to be the focus of the remainder of the show. So Rebecca, what advice can you share with our listeners when it comes to managing their finances, particularly their debt during these uncertain times? I mean, the number one thing we always say is that everyone's situation is different. So managing your finances and debt commitments, it's really personal to you. Um, and it's and it's so, so important for you to be looking at your, at, at your finances, reviewing things like your household budget, thinking about the future. You know, we were just talking in, in the prior uh, segment around what happens if interest rates rise again. How is that going to impact me? Do I have that mortgage coming up for renewal? Um, and if you don't know where to... To start, there are actually lots of organizations out there that can help offer advice and, and, and help you do that. The other thing that's really beneficial to do as you're looking at your finances, particularly if you do have debt, is think about kind of where that debt sits, think about the products it sits in, and consider are there other options. And again, there are, there are organizations who can help give advice, but different credit products have different mechanics. You know, is it a fixed rate or variable rate? Um, in terms of, you know, if interest rate moves, do your payments change or not? What are those repayments? Can I do things like um, move it to a longer term? So actually I'm spreading those payments over a longer period. Now that's not always a good thing because that can mean you end up paying more interest ultimately. Um, but there are different options and, and it's really about looking at your own individual situation and looking at your own position when it comes to debt and coming up with that plan in order to kind of you know, make sure you're prepared for what the future might hold. Yeah, it is so very important, Rebecca, that you look at your own individual situation, right? I, too often times um, we compare ourselves to others. We look at maybe things on social media or just, you know, what our, our friends and neighbors are, are doing, participating in the things that they have. But, you know, your own situation is is what you need to consider. And talking to your spouse is important, right, so that you're both on the same page when it comes to those things. But really scrutinizing your budget. And I know we talk about this all the time on the show, right? The importance of budgeting and revisiting your budget. But I think in times when people are cash strapped or potentially, as we have said, increasing the credit that they have in order to make ends meet, your budget really does become um, more and more important and revisiting it far more regularly than you, you might have done in the past becomes more important. I think really making some of those tough decisions on what are some of the things that maybe you can give 
save up in the short term in order to provide for your long-term financial health. So are there things that you're subscribing to, right, that you can give up for a period of time, cancel or reduce, comparison shopping, meal planning, coupon clipping, like all those types of things, although you may have not done them in the past, may be a really good source of improving your cash flow in the short term while we're going through these uncertain times. And to your point, Rebecca, like not all debt is created equal. So really looking at those interest rates, and I find some of the pitfalls that people fall into. So debt consolidation loans are a great way for some people to reduce their monthly payment and the overall interest that they're paying. But sometimes I find that people um, aren't... as well uh, educated by the people providing the loans on what that actually looks like. And they end up paying more in the long run because they're consolidating into a credit card debt that's you know, 19, 20, 25%. Um, but they're going to finance companies for these these consolidation loans. And although the monthly payment is less, the interest rate in these cases can be 30 or 35%. So they're actually repaying more in the long run. So it's really important that you understand the solutions that you're looking at uh, to ensure that it actually is going to um, make things better for you in the long run. And of course, managing and paying down debt will help you free up funds to help better manage monthly payments, which of course is going to help you maintain a positive credit score. So let's move into that space now, Rebecca. Let's talk about credit scores. How is your score determined and why is it so important to maintain a positive score? Maybe if we just start with kind of what a, what a credit score is. So really, it's a tool which lenders might use to help in their decision whether to offer someone credit or not. Um, it's normally a number. It's normally between 300 and 900 as a scale. So it's normally sits somewhere between there. And it helps determine your credit worthiness. So a higher score suggests that a consumer is more likely to keep making payments in line with the commitments that they, they have. And a lower score suggests an individual an individual is more likely to miss a payment in the coming months. Um, The way in which they're calculated is they use the information that's in your credit report. So that includes things like your payment history, the amount of debt you have, um, the length of your credit history, so how long have you been using credit for. Um, And and while your credit score is really important, it is only one of lots of pieces of information that an organisation might use to determine your credit worthiness. Um, It's also really important to remember that everyone's uh, financial and credit situation is different and there isn't a magic number to each when it comes uh, in terms of your credit score to get better loan rates and terms. So, you know, ultimately it's a tool lenders use, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's one tool that they might use out of many. So they might look at other things. For example, if you apply for mortgage, they're going to be looking at your income and things like that as well. So... Yeah, and and it's important to remember that uh, there's ranges within the categories as well, right? And a positive uh, credit score is is a variance in a number, not a specific number. So if we look at the credit score ranges, we've got 300 to 579, which is a pretty big range, which is a poor credit score range. We've got 580 to 669, that's fair. 670 to 739, which is good. 740 to 799, very good. And 800 to 900 is considered excellent. So there's a lot of variability there, um, Rebecca. So what can you tell our listeners about, you know, where they should be if they're hoping to uh, qualify, I guess, at the best rates when it comes to, to credit and loans? Is there a rule of thumb at all? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's not really because all lenders are different, and 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 different lenders work in different spaces in terms of um, kind of you know who they're looking for for the ideal ideal consumer. I mean, really, credit score, yeah, like I say, it's designed to do the likelihood of you missing a future payment. So the best thing to do in terms of trying to ensure you have the best score that you can, the number one most important thing is to consistently demonstrate good payment behaviour. So pay your bills on time every time. Um, that's going to ultimately lead to your credit score being the best that it's, it, it, it can be. I mean, there are other things that you can also do um, in terms of helping your credit your credit score. So things like your credit card balance, if that's kept well within your limits, that can be a positive as well. You know, if you have a $1,000 limit and you're consistently maxing that out, in your balances, you know, pretty near 950, close to, you know, that maximum limit, that's going to hurt your credit score a little bit. So, you know, but really it's about good, consistent behaviour and that will help to get you to be, to have the best score that you can have uh, right now. Yeah, and it is important, right? And people, there's so many apps out there today, right, where people can monitor their credit credit report and credit score. And I think um, important to point out, though, that, you know, it's not a simple fix to improve your credit score it takes time and there's you know specific behaviors that you need to do in order to to do that so be mindful of people out there who are advertising that they can quickly right fix your your credit score for you and there's often a fee attached to that better to do the research and talk to a legitimate professional um like a licensed insolvency trustee right to really find out what you should be or could be doing to help improve your your credit score uh, I think it's worth pointing out as well, Rebecca, that your credit score is different from your credit report. So can you explain a little bit to our listeners about the difference in the two and I think the content that's included in your report so that they can better understand uh, what they should be looking for there? Yeah, absolutely. So your your credit report is really just a collection and a summary of all of the information that's reported to us at the Bureau from, from lenders. So if a lender reports to us that you have a credit card with a balance of $1,000, that will appear on your credit report. We don't change it. In fact, we're not actually allowed to change it uh, unless there's something that's reported to us incorrectly or inaccurately by the lender. Um, so, so, you know, anything that they pass to us, we then just collate it and put it into that report. Your credit score is a tool which takes the information from your credit report and uses that to provide an estimation of how likely you are to miss a payment in future. So we actually have what's called an algorithm that sits underneath it um, that calculates the score. And it's really just a recipe um, for for kind of, you know, predict making that prediction. It's it's kind of, you know, heavily mass-based. Um, it uses statistical techniques. And it's, it's you know, really just um, trying to kind of come up with, with that prediction. I mean, one thing that's, that's kind of worth noting is there isn't just one credit score. So often I think people think that there's just one golden score. That's not the case. Um, there are different scores that are available. So, you know, ourselves at Equifax, we might create two or three different scores. And, and you know, it's really made up of different information. So, you know, when you go back through time, things like mortgages never used to get reported to the credit bureau. So a score that was built, you know, going back 5, 10, 15 years ago may not have included mortgage information to help come up with that credit score. Whereas a more recent score, now we do have mortgage data, will do. So there are different scores that are out there. Your lenders may also create their own score. So, you know, there are tools out there that give you access to both your credit report and your credit score. Just don't be surprised if you do see differences 
in your credit score. That's totally normal. Um, generally, they, they, they would normally be in the same sort of range um, if it is a different score. But yeah, there's only one, there's not just one score out there. And your credit report is really just a collation of all of the information that gets reported to us. Yeah, and that is important to know because I, we get those questions all the time, right, from clients. So calling say, you know, I look on this app, my credit score is X, and I look yeah. on this app, and my credit score is Y, and, you know, explaining to them the differences and how they can be diff- calculated differently because they are formulaic and different lenders. And um, the credit, the, the two credit bureaus may be using different uh, formulas in making that calculation. But it's looking at the range and making sure that you're within that uh, range if that's what's important. So if you're interested in obtaining more information about your score or your credit report we're going to tell you how you can do that straight ahead please stay with us your voice in newfoundland and labrador's biggest conversation if you want to know what's happening in your province tune in to open line every day have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m on open line with patty daly on your vocm Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland, Labrador. So my guest today is Rebecca Oaks. She's the Vice President of Advanced Analytics at Equifax Canada. And Rebecca, before the break, you shared some really valuable advice with our listeners regarding their credit reports and, and credit scores and how they're used, calculated, things they should be looking at. So you also spoke about the importance of being aware where you stand when it comes to your credit score and your report. So we know a lot of people out there are still very reluctant to check their score because they worry it will negatively affect their score. But that's not the case, right? No, not at all. So as we talked about earlier, credit scores are there to help predict the likelihood of you missing a payment. So if you were to go and check your credit score or you choose to have a look at your credit report just to see what's happening, that doesn't really have any bearing on how likely you are to miss a payment, say, on your credit card. It just wouldn't make sense. So we have two different ways in which um, access to your credit file happens. We have something called a hard inquiry, and that tends to happen when you are actually applying for credit and the lender you making the application to is accessing your credit report to help make that decision. Those hard inquiries may impact your credit score. Then we have something we call a soft inquiry, and that's a request to access your credit report or your score, but it's not being used to help make a lending decision. Those do not impact your scores. And when you access your own file, it's a soft inquiry. There is absolutely no impact to your score. Yeah, and that is important for people to understand. And I like that you said the hard inquiry may impact your credit score. Because if you're, for example, shopping around for a mortgage, you have multiple lenders checking your credit score or shopping around for a car loan. So multiple lenders at the same time are are looking um, at your credit score. That's not going to have as uh, negative an impact because there's multiple because you guys can see that you're shopping around for an actual car as opposed to applying for six different loans from those lenders, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, so again, I mean, all this information um, is available, um, you know, to to kind of lenders. But typically, you know, when we develop some of some of our scores, to your point, we will look. If it looks like shopping behaviour, we'll count that as one inquiry. We don't count it as six or seven or eight. Um, you know, sometimes there are brokers involved who who might pass you know your information out to multiple lenders to try and get you the best deal. Again, we tend to class that as one when it's used for score because it is just shopping behaviour. Um, it's not actually you actively looking for multiple different types of credit. 
And I think today people are, you know, concerned about their credit score, which they should be, right? And looking at their credit score and, and uh, looking at uh, apps uh, to monitor their credit score. But I think not as many people are really paying attention to their credit report. But it's really important that at least once a year, if not more than that, you're having a real good look at the things that are on your credit report because some people have become a victim to identity theft. So what can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean, identity theft, um, potential fraud, it's really important to do everything you can to try and make sure you are not a victim and checking your credit report can help help you spot that. Um, you know, if you go to our, web, our website, which is Equifax.ca, and you scroll down on the main page, there's a section on there called Stay on Top of Your Credit with Equifax. And there are links on there that help you not only access your score and your, your um, report online, um, there is also the ability to get that for free. So um, there's links you can use to kind of raise a dispute if you see something that looks wrong on your report. And again, those services are completely free, so it's definitely worth while doing. There are other things that we do which do carry a fee where you can get things like monitoring of your file to check for fraud, but just going on there yourself and looking and seeing, do I see a new credit card's opened that I didn't I didn't make the application for? You know, things like that can help you just find that you actually are a uh, potentially a victim of identity, identity fraud and that gives you the ability to then do something about it. Um, so yeah, definitely worth going online, checking. Again, there's a lot of ability to do that free of charge. Yeah, and it, it is important, right, because a lot of times people um, don't realize how easy it can be in some circumstances for people to apply for credit and get it in someone else's name. It does happen more often than people think. And, you know, we, we do these um, sort of scam and fraud shows during Fraud Prevention Month in November. We did one during um, Seniors Week last month to, to really open people's eyes to the things that are happening. And, and most frauds actually don't get reported. And if you think about it, if you apply for a credit card and you're making all your payments, there's absolutely no reason that your bank is going to reach out to you regarding that debt. So if someone applied for a card in your name and is successful in getting that card in your name and they're using the card, but they're making the payments, there's absolutely no reason for the bank to reach out to you about that debt, right? So it could be there and they could be using it. And at some point you could be held responsible for that debt if they do stop making those payments. So reviewing your credit report and, and, you know, making sure that you're putting in requests for any anomalies, asking questions, you know, disputing the things that are, are there, it is very important. And like I said, at a minimum, you should be doing that uh, once a year. So Rebecca, some great advice for our listeners out there today. We do have some time now for some final thoughts. So if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? I mean, I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I always say the number one thing is be aware of your own financial position. Everyone's different. Preparation for future financial changes can really help avoid you ending up in a really difficult position. And also do not be afraid to get help. I promise there are lots and lots of people out there in the same situation and getting help early um, means you've got more options and it can actually really assist in stopping that spiral into a situation that's much, much harder to 
to rectify. So, you know, sometimes I think it's seen as a real taboo subject when you're in financial difficulty. Um, there's lots and lots of people in the same boat, particularly right now when, you know, the cost of living is so high. So, so reach out and get help if you don't know what to do. Yeah, there's no question, right? You're not alone when it comes to that, right? There's so many people out there today. I mean, all you need to do is turn on the radio, watch the news, read the news news online, or, or you know, if you still get the, the paper uh, reading, um, reading that, you'll see, right, just how many people are struggling. Survey after survey is, is indicating that. So you're right. Like, the earlier you get help, the earlier you look for advice on this stuff, the more options that are going to be available to you. But but not only that, the the better off you're going to be, whether it's from a mental health perspective, a physical health perspective, from your relationship. Like one of the things, one of the warning signs that I often say to people is, you know, are you bickering with your partner about your finances? Right. If you find that it's something that's causing stress in your relationship, it it's, you know, beyond the point where you need to be reaching out for help. And it's important that you do that. And, you know, I've said on the show many times, the most used phrase in my office is, I wish I had contacted you sooner, right? So super, super important that um, that you're reaching out ahead of time. So, or as quickly as possible, I guess, to get the help. And there's, you know, there's no obligation. So having a conversation doesn't obligate you to, to move forward with anything. It just, you know, gives you the knowledge you need to know where you are and, and helps you put a plan in place. So, Rebecca, for people who wanted to know more about um, this report that you guys have released about Equifax Canada in general, how their credit works, what's the best way for them to do that? We have a, there's lots and lots of information on our on our website, equifax.ca. There's loads of videos, you know, step by step, everything you'd ever wanted to know about credit scores, your credit report, what to do if there's things on there that, you you know, look strange to you or you want to, you know, dispute. There's so much information. Um, it's all free. Um, and if you have any further questions or need to contact us about anything, there's links and things on our website. So just go to equifax.ca, um, lots and lots of information on there. Great. Well, listen, it's been great having you on the show today. Always some great information coming from Equifax Canada. I encourage people to go to the website, look at the information that's available. Um, knowledge is power, we always say right on this show. So, um, you know, you've got some time, go in and, and have a look. It, it's definitely not going to hurt. And if you are struggling out there, if you are only able to make your minimum payments, if you're someone who's in that high percentage of people that we've talked about on today's show that is using credit to supplement their income or you're taking, you know, from one uh, credit source in order to make the minimum payment on another. If you have been talking to a mortgage um, expert because your mortgage is up for renewal and you're finding it's going to be difficult to manage your unsecured debt and still afford your new mortgage payment, call and get some advice. You can always reach me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. As I said, the um, initial consult is completely free, completely confidential, and comes with no strings, right? There's no obligation. Uh, get the right advice to get yourself on a right financial footing. So until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, License Insolvency Trustees, on your VOCM.